Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess Vetters. And I'm Colin Lamont. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share a favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth mm. of gaming experience that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is killing characters. Ba, ba, bum. But before we get into it, Colin. Yes. Last week, I did something a little bit different with the show. I I brought in a guest. A replacement. Now, I don't want you to think of it as a replacement. That's a, that's a dark implication. Just an upgrade. Oh, no. No. But I do want to ask, you listened to the episode, yes, where we, uh, we discussed yeah. magic. Yeah, an enviable topic to discuss. Now, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, episode 23, a discussion on magic featuring Amy Jocelyn, go back and listen to that real quick, because I'm about to ask Colin, if you could sum up your thoughts on what we talked about in, like, two minutes, what would you say? In two minutes, off the cusp. Off the cusp, or the cuff, or the cuss, or the... Cur? No, you're, you're, you're talking out of about control. a mangy you're dog. Out of control. Stop this word train. It's barreling off the tracks. It's the way I live, Colin. <laughs> there are no tracks in Jessland. Well, if I had to sum up the discussion that you had on the episode, and trust me, I do want to get into kind of my take on magic, which will be Oh yeah, we this is not a topic yeah. that we will only talk about once. We'll 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 talk about it again after we give you enough time between sessions so it doesn't seem repetitive. However, if I had to sum it up in kind of my words, I'd say that it was hmm, an interesting dive, not too, not deeply into the pool of water, but across the pool of water. You brought in a couple of different game examples and some ideas about how you can make magic a little bit more free-flowing, and you brought up a very interesting point that I've kind of always liked um, about, about D&D that I don't see too terribly often. The use of spells not for their intended effect, but in order to cause some sort of utility effect that mm -hmm. was not what the spell was specifically designed for but it is what the spell ends up doing in that moment too many people see a spell as a spell-shaped hole that you smash with your spell hammer and bam there's a spell and it does the thing that the spell says that it should do and it targets what it said what it says it should target and it has the effects that it says it should affect but who is to say that you can't use your that you can't use your flaming hands like your cantrip spell to start a fire in the forest or to cause any number of crazy other things to go down that you wouldn't really thinking of it's not just a tap a cobalt and set it on fire spell anymore now it can be so many different things and i think that it opens up the wizard not as an alternate damage dealer than the fighter, but as a unique artist when it comes to overcoming obstacles. I completely agree with that. Um, and, and the way that I would put it personally is, 
every class has different ways to solve different problems. And if you're playing a fighter or a barbarian, your way that you solve problems so often tends to be hit thing with pointy stick. And spellcasters can and should open up completely new avenues for players and storytellers and GMs alike to say, like, no, I'm going to give you a problem that you can't fight your way out of, but if you properly apply the various skills that you have as a group, it should be no match for you. Magic has always been, for me the kind of narrative sauce that you can use to come up with some interesting solutions and concoctions to unconventional situations. Mm. Magic is actually my favorite chicken nugget dipping sauce. That that does explain a lot. Sometimes you just gotta, like, dunk it right in there, get a whole heaping gob of magic right on your nug, and just chomp right down on it, you know what I mean? Right on your nug. Right on the nug. Well, I can say that that was a lovely episode. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. should go back and listen to it. And I will reveal my thoughts, possibly with my own guest, whatever you want to call them, in, an, in a later episode. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing that one. In the meantime... Have you ever killed a character? Oh, yes. Uh, several times. Now, good question. Have they stayed dead? That is a very good question, because I know you've killed at least one of my characters who mm-hmm. didn't really stay dead. Now, to contextualize this, uh, a lot of the games that Colin, of I, Colin and I have played together have been in World of Darkness, which has mm-hmm. a couple of different ways that you can die and just come back as a different splat. Uh, And for those of you who don't know that particular terminology, splat is just like a slang term for a different class or a playbook. Uh, In particular, I'm talking about like the world of darkness. You've got mortals and hunters and vampires and werewolves and mages and all of that stuff. Mm. But we need to approach death as... hmm. Kind of from a top-down view, wouldn't you say? Okay. Let's, let's take a look at it from our perspective as players, uh, as we have most theoretically interacted. Well, maybe we should go bottom up. I guess bottom would be players. Top would be players. In this if analogy, you think about the... it as a pyramid, then yes, players would be the well. I guess yeah. hobbyists in general would be the base and then players would be the middle and then dm gm storyteller whatever would be the top the analogy doesn't hold water but the idea (laughs) (laughs) i mean a pyramid doesn't hold water either to be fair it could be designed to hold water what if it had internal tanks oh then that's a bad pyramid what why it just the shape of the pyramid can be the it's most like the big pyramids are hollow they've got things inside of them why couldn't they be filled with water they're not very hollow i mean they're not extremely hollow but there are hollow parts of them there are but they're definitely watertight otherwise everything inside would get super ruined well unless the only thing inside was water then you can't ruin anything jess you know you've got me on that one i do 
I do have you on that one. And that because is a check I won, and mate. Because I won this verbal joust, I'm going to push it out to you. Most memorable character death. See, this is a bit of a problem for me because I lately have been playing in games where character death is not really a thing that happens. So, at least for the past, like, four years of play, I haven't had a character die. Hmm. I haven't actually been in a game where a player character died. Okay, alright, alright, alright. If you can't if you can't reach far enough back to, to, to draw out the emotional resonance, actor Jess, then I'll make it easier for you. Most memorable death, not necessarily player. Well, okay. It's not that I can't go back far enough to pull anything out, because I do remember I had at least one character die in the games that you ran with me back when we were in college, it's just like, that's going on a decade ago at yeah, this point. It, it so I really can't is. remember the details. And what I do remember from my more recent games is uh, in a, hmm, how do I put this? I've talked about it a little bit before. It was a party member NPC hmm. who died. And like, because it's D&D, we resurrected her like, a session later it wasn't a whole giant deal because we're a relatively high level and we also found like a million gold in a dungeon and had a teleporter to just get it all out that's a whole other story what i do remember about dealing with party member death if not necessarily player or like player character death is that it is most impactful, it is most resonant when it is built to, but not foreshadowed, if that makes any sense at all. Like, you have to make this character who dies, and it's obviously super easy if it is a player character, because PCs love each other, that's what happens. You form a bond in being the group that does the stuff. But if it is an NPC that you're using to, like, get this emotional gut punch, you have to make them not necessarily invaluable, because you don't want to take away a resource from the players that they can't proceed without, but you do want to make them desired, coveted, uh, loved, in so many words. And when... Uh, when our friend in this game kicked the bucket, it was, you know, it's what I said. It was an emotional gut punch. Like, I, I mentioned it in an earlier episode. I can't remember which one, but I kind of just sat in the corner for a good 10 minutes or so just processing it while the game happened around me. And that was partly in character and it was partly out of character. Now, did they manage to save that that NPC later? We did. We did manage to resurrect her because we are stupidly rich and can basically buy any spell in the world. Was that the first 
NPC resurrection for like a close party member. That was our first resurrection in general. It was also the first like close party member death. Um, but that's not to say that people we had had connections to hadn't died before in game. Because uh, obviously when you're dealing with high fantasy swords and sorcery sort of stuff, whether or not it's Dungeons and Dragons, the looming specter of death should always be there. Like, this idea that if you engage in violence, violence can happen to you. Like, that's one of the most common themes that we can possibly deal with. Uh, that's just the most impactful one because it mattered the most because this was a character who had been with us for... In terms of real time, it was something like six months, which only really amounted to like 12 game sessions but still it was it was substantial death is a heavy concept and one that can be very easily mitigated even minimized by some of the magical aspects of certain settings we run into the problem with uh, some long-running TV shows with supernatural elements where characters die and come back and die and come back so much that it almost becomes a gimmick. Mm -hmm. Death loses its grasp and hold the more commonly reversible it becomes. There is a place for that, of course. Uh, only in these fantastical worlds that we create can death be scoffed at so easily and so readily something so terrible could be reversed in a single instant, which may not be as easy to accomplish outside of the game. But the question is, when you run a game, what is death to you? Is it the motivator that keeps your characters, that keeps your players sharp, trading tactics and ideas to avoid the Reaper's scythe? Is it the grand joke? Just another force that can be undone by any magical whim or fancy, so much so that it becomes a pivotal aspect to your plot, or even the inside joke among the table? Or is death a bit like alchemy, a necessary step to a transformation in a character? I've seen all of these tropes and uses for death trotted out in various games to various effects. I have used them. And I'm not 100% sure if any of those are better than the other. They each have their own unique flavor, and how you treat death in a large way affects how your setting will be perceived and played in if death, if death holds very little risk, then people will be more likely to do the daring and the extraordinary, knowing that they can return to themselves afterward. If death is more permanent, they will be more careful. There's just things to consider. Something as simple as the metaphysical component of cessation, of, of the end of the line, can so deeply affect a narrative that it almost writes the story itself. Or 
it can be little more than a ba- than a poorly mentioned footnote. It depends. Well, and I think the way that you put that just a moment ago, where like you posed this question: Is death a motivator or is death a joke? It has to kind of be all of that at the same time, depending on your setting. Because when you come into something like Dungeons and Dragons there is an inherent understanding around the table as the metagame that death is reversible. Like, there is an astral plane where your soul will end up and we can pull you back from it. Like, there's there's a completely circumventable afterlife in certain settings. And in others... Like, World of Darkness, which, you know, is the other thing that I have major experience in. Death can be very permanent, but certain kinds of death are definitely not. And from a player perspective, handling the weight of the specter of death as a character is a completely different experience than handling it as a player. And, like, it sort of starts to get a little video gamey, where you know inherently because it is a collaborative storytelling game and because there is expected to be some permanence with every decision, you're not going to get a respawn when you go down unless you're playing a game that explicitly has that as a mechanic, but... It's not like when your character dies, you as a player are, like, done at the table. Worst comes to worst, you can probably roll up a new character. It's just, you have to keep in mind the stakes of, well, Joe Brown just died. And this new person that I'm bringing in doesn't have Joe Brown's knowledge. So Cindy Black has to come in with a new, fresh, clean slate. I don't know why they were both named after characters, but that are not characters' colors. But, you know. <laughs> why were my characters named after characters? Who does that? My, my brain's a little wobbly tonight. But hey, point still stands. There is a meta perspective on death that we get into as players that and I think this is something that I talked about uh, a couple of episodes back where we were like talking about establishing the setting or something Mm. where, or no, it was, uh, it was about mythology where we're talking about this idea of what your players or not your players, what your characters actually understand about the world and how much they actually have this perspective on what does death and the possibility the possibility to reverse it actually mean as an individual i had a very long conversation about that with uh, a couple of guys from my gaming group recently it got a little heated well it'll depend on a the player's perspective b how they're playing the character and c how it fits into the narrative there was a star wars game that i ran you called it a team Called it A team mm-hmm. because I had B team and C team planned for the um, two other 
variants. I, they're all in the same rule system, but one was Force and Destiny, one was Edge of the Empire, and then something Rebellion, Age of Rebellion. So there would be an A team, a B team, and a C team. A team followed um, a group of characters that started off as Jedi younglings together um, before the Clone Wars had them become Padawans and then hit the Clone Wars, participate in the Clone Wars, uh, survive Order 66, and then we played about... Order 66. (laughs) And then we played for about a year and a half-esque of game time afterwards. There was this understanding going into Order 66 um, that some of the players had that one of the players did not uh, because she was not super familiar with Star Wars uh, Mm. and did not know that Order 66 was coming or what it entailed. That was my goodness to be that person. Yes, to be that person. And this is this is after this is after so many sessions that I have run setting up all of these like deeply uh, like deep pathos scenes with mentors and other jedis lessons learned redemptions won like their masters their their padawan their padawan masters like to each of the the players was a deeply important piece or was a deeply important npc for them that had been on individual sessions that i'd run with them on personal missions with their mentors and and things like that so i didn't know that she didn't know oh no (laughs) oh no i see where this is going and it breaks my heart and it it was luckily it was before it actually happened in the game she was a little prepared for it beforehand but it had come up in a conversation where one of my players was talking about and man things are going to get messy once order 66 comes she's like what's order 66 and i was like oh 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 no she doesn't know. Uh, oh, you I was sweet like, summer child. Well, it's the order that killed pretty much all the Jedi. And she's like, but not ours, right? I was like, hmm. <laughs> all means all, honey. Sorry. Sorry about your luck on that one. So when her Jedi master, uh, died um and was turned on by like a group of clones that like she had gotten to know npc wise and was friends with uh it was a deeply impactful emotional moment oh yeah it was not the only one that we got to in that game because Order 66 necessitates that pretty much most of the Jedi are are dead. And after all of this, as we were getting past the war and all of this, I was talking to them, I was like, look, there's a large chance coming up that the end of this story will not necessarily have a happy ending. It didn't for most. I want to let you guys know that I will give you the opt out if you want to. And, And they did. They had the Force vision the very last mission involved um there were two members of their jedi class who were npcs um who had had very mixed 
experiences growing up with them. Um, mm -hmm. One of them had 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 been kicked out of the Jedi Order as a Padawan a long time ago and became something of a space pirate, and the other one um, fell to becoming an Inquisitor um, after the war, and they found out that the one who had become a space pirate, their friend, um, had been captured. He was actually captured on a mission with one of the PCs and uh, taken to a, a re-education center on Coruscant where other Jedi that were being captured alive were being taken to be turned into Inquisitors. And I gave them the vision because they were... By now, they were working with a rebellion cell that was already starting to form, and this would be a really big, big thing. Right. And I gave them the vision that if they went along on this mission, specifically this part of the mission, that it might not end well for them. That they could score an incredible victory, but it would come at a terrible cost. And I was like, look... No matter who goes on this mission, them's the results. As long as one of you goes on this mission, the results will be the results. But you don't all have to go. If you're very attached to your characters, you don't have to go. And all of them decided to go. Well, I mean, at that point, it's basically a question of, like, do you want to continue playing this game, or do you want to bow out and mm -hmm. sit safe in the knowledge that, well, at least my character isn't dead. But, like, effectively, yeah. if the game for you is done, you can sit safe in that knowledge that, you know, Joe Brown, to use the name I used earlier, lives on, but you don't actually get to do anything with Joe. Not necessarily. Keep in mind, B-team and C-team. Was that already established at this point, though? Yes, that was already established at this point. Ah. It was, I was already going to have a B team and a C team, one for each of the splats. And if their character survived, although they wouldn't necessarily be the main character, they'd have an opportunity to play them again and possibly even switch them out to being main characters once the campaign had gotten high level enough to accommodate them. Now, that is a slightly different story. Yes. Well, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to give them the... You know, the options. The options were basically you can leave and continue going around the galaxy. We will do a little bit of story afterwards to kind of explain what you've been up to. Or we can go into this expecting that this is going to be an emotional tailspin. You're not going to know how it's going to happen. Uh, you're not going to know when it's going to happen, but it will be climactic. And it, and it will be momentous. And they decided to go in. One of the characters, the one... Um, who didn't know about Order 66, um, had a personal vision uh, realizing that she had two choices with uh, the Padawan that had, were, you know, the, he had actually been the only one promoted to being a Jedi, fallen to being an Inquisitor, that she could save him from the darkness, but only at the cost of her own life. And so in their their heated faded duel when it came down to the last when it came down to the last role she had the successes necessary to overcome him and i was like all right this is your choice you can either strike him down or choose something different because if you want to save him there has to be a sacrifice 
but it's completely up to you. You can actually handle this however you want to handle this. I'm fine to sort of let this go where it wants. She agonized over the decision and finally said, like, she's she didn't block the last attack and let him run her through. And in that moment of in that moment he was brought back to himself completely. The darkness left him. Uh and he he carried uh, like the rest of the the rest of the player characters went off to have their climactic battle in the end, um, where they tried to bring down the entire brainwashing facility on the emperor, bring it down on his head, which was a pretty big thing. Um, but for that character, he walked off. Our Nevu, who was the NPC that she saved, walked off with her body, and in the very end. There was one character who didn't go on the mission, not because that they weren't a Jedi. They had actually already died. Their Jedi character had died very early on and had died earlier on in the story. His own fault, really. Um, (laughs) I mean, generally speaking, it usually is. And then uh, he had come in with another character, a force sensitive that was going to be uh, a link into b-team this this kid who was rescued off of a space station during you know climactic battle and was traveling around with these jedi learning things from them and uh in the end he got to preach the first message of rebellion from one of coruscant's own radio towers and when the soldiers stormtroopers stormed the uh the tower laid down fire and he had no choice but to leap out the window to fall to his death the force intervened and i gave every one of the characters who had died um a chance to and i guess it's the force i can it's it's open for me doing whatever i i kind of feel like story-wise they got to manifest in sort of their in their elemental, in their elemental way, one of them, one of them was in the wind to keep him from smashing against the tower uh, on his on his way on his way down. Um, one of them was in one of them was in the uh, was in the earth that dug down beneath, and one was in the water that filled it. So he he, he lived. He he lived. He fell and was and survived and could leave from there alive. And there was not a dry eye at my table. By the end of my descriptions very nice proud moment for me honestly not that i you know go out looking to make people cry but it is there's always a moment that you have as a dm when a player reacts to a scene so in character that they feel the emotion you can see the emotion running through them like rampaging through them unchecked and not acted when you're like i have done a very good job i have brought them into this story completely in this moment this is more immersive than any movie that they have seen this is their story now i do want to ask about a different side of character death shoot because this is this is a topic that goes far beyond this idea of like building up to these epic moments and making really interesting and powerful things happen because sometimes when you're playing a game 
the dice just keep falling the wrong way for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you miss that jump on that pitfall trap or that goblin gets a really lucky shot with that arrow or like any number of things happen and you just fail. Absolutely true. You lose a character for, I mean, generally very little reason as far as most players are concerned. And when it comes to dealing with that disparity of like, here's a really big, powerful, important moment where I built up to this impactful climax and my character did this heroic self-sacrifice for all of these really great reasons. Like, how do you compare that to, oh, um, yeah, I just, uh, I just got poisoned and like, couldn't make the save and now I'm just dead. Genre and table mood, mostly. Question for you. How many times has that happened to you? Uh, it has not happened any times, but it's gotten pretty darn close a few. Sure, but we're not talking about close shaves because those are their own thing. How many times has random, stupid coincidence killed off one of your characters? Uh, going back as far as I can remember, I think once? For me, it was also once. One time did random coincidence completely fell my character. Every other time, and I'm not saying that it wasn't deserved at other points in time. There are times that I have failed some checks. There are some times where I definitely took too much damage. Uh, one of the very first D&D games that I ran, I ran a cleric and an entropic reaper put his whole scythe through my character's body. I went from full hit points to like, two hit points and they're like all right just kick quick cast a healing spell on yourself I'm like no my character's gonna lay down he's just laying on the ground impaled he's impaled guys he's impaled mm. <laughs> bleeding out impaled he's not ready for this um there has been there have been times that it has come very close and it has come to the skull and crossbones for some characters as well question in my game question when you come to those crossings, because you genu generally know when you're coming to those crossings, you're like, "Ooh, oh man, this this dice is this dice is on fire. This, you know, I I can't stop rolling crits this in this combat." Dice is on fire. <laughs> what am I going to do if the worst should befall? Some DMs, some DMs that I know, is I. Just, let it go. Let it happen the way that it happens. Total party wipe. It's total party wipe. It happens. Sure. I get that. And there is something to be said for letting that happen. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes it is... Sometimes it is absolutely wise just to let it go down. If you pull your punches for your characters too much, they will stop fearing the consequences worse... They won't know how to handle the consequences. If it ever comes to the fact where you stop pulling your punches, and you're like, no, I'm sorry, you're just dead. And they have never had to deal with that character loss before at your table. They may not handle it too terribly well. They certainly wouldn't have had any experience with handling it very well in the past because you pulled all your punches. So why should they now? Mm -hmm. 
So there's a fine balance to strike to keep the fear of mortality in play, while at the same time, in my opinion, allowing yourself as a DM to flub some results when necessary in order to reach for a more mm, narratively satisfying conclusion than, oh no, you the spike trap went off and now you're just dead. And you just happen to have the plot for the whole game. I mean... Yes and no, because there are certain times when, and I, I say this being loath to kill my player characters because I, generally speaking, I love the progression. I love keeping characters around to see what players do as they progress through the world and as they get stronger and learn more about things from their character's perspective. But at the same time, like, if shit happens, shit happens. Like, if the spike trap pops up and you don't have the hit points to get through it, that's on you and your party to carry you through. It's just generally, like, I I tend to underbalance things so that most situations will not put my players in such dire straits. And that's completely system agnostic like you can generally plan in most situations for getting through things with or without death sure that's true. i guess there is there is one major exception to that to that uh and that i will say one major exception that i know of i'm sure there are others where character death is way more prevalent <laughs> than most of the games that i play but Dread, the uh, the horror game that you play with a Jenga tower to refresh the memories of those out there, that is a game that is pretty much built to yes. kill your characters to a nearly 100% rate. It just so happens that the games that I've played... We're all super good at Jenga, so only, like, two people ever actually died. I mean, I'm not... I'm not bragging. Out of two games that I played, with dozens of pulls each, and at least four people around the table both times, like, one was four and one was seven. We only lost two players, and both of those times, it was self-sacrifice. We're just that good at Jenga. That is some impressive Jenga skills, buddy. Hey, what can I say? When you're good, you're good. Uh, but what I'm really getting at with that is this idea that in scenarios where you have built up to character death, where it's something like you're playing a horror game and you're going up against a slasher monster and you fit into these archetypes where it's like, okay... I'm I'm basically playing the last girl and I'm playing the jock and I'm playing the slut or whatever the character archetypes that you're going with. Those are just like the first three that popped into my head from typical horror movies of the last 20 years. You run into these situations where you go in understanding that my character is going to die. And this happens a lot with um, like, uh, what do they call those? 
like D tournament play and stuff like that mm, you go in right. knowing your character is going to die most likely which i guess is a it's a different it's a different beast that you have to wrangle going into a game like that than dealing with something that's more long term and what i'm really trying to dig into is if you're in that situation where you know i am going into a game where most of the characters won't make it out how do you approach that differently from going into something long term where character survival means game survival hmm it's a good question for our listeners, honestly. From, that it is. From my perspective, uh, quickly get into um, <clears throat> death as based in a game where you would not spend very much time in it is a, actually kind of a freeing element. It means that you kind of punch your own card. Either you can choose when it happens or it happens randomly, but either way, you're not worried about it going on to the next game. So you can kind of play however you'd like and just let mm -hmm. the cards fall where they may. In the longer term sessions, I see some people generally play things a little more cautious, a little more close to the vest. What I really like seeing is death as an archetypal force. As you'd mentioned with the horror movies, when death is expected in the cards, like it's going to come in the story. It has either been foreshadowed or symbolized it's something that has haunted the characters and they kind of choose how they rise to meet it i've actually thought it would be a really cool game idea to kind of turn that on its head and start all the characters off as um people in the mm -hmm. land of the dead who are looking to come back to life you begin everybody off with this is how you died but you don't want to stay dead and start your game off in the land of the dead that's a that's a particularly curious sort of idea. I would be very interested to see how that would be pulled off. Mm-hmm. It would depend on the system, but if you're already dead and you can't die, you have to find other ways to kind of hold the narrative uh, at climax and suspense. What other forces could there be that would motivate a character outside of death? That yeah, because that, that's that's cool. I mean, death is typically whether it is character death or like wide scale uh, not wide scale widespread large scale death mm. that's generally what we fight against right like there is no greater motivator in terms of like big stories than hey if you don't succeed either you or literally everyone or somewhere in between will die so like Playing to the opposite of that would be really interesting. I agree. In fact, if you ask me about this next recording, I'll have a pitch for you. I look forward to that. What I also look forward to is hearing from our listeners about this topic, because let's face it, our experience on this particular topic, as with every topic, but this one holds a bit of a special place uh, it's kind of limited so i would really <laughs> love to hear what you our dear wonderful beautiful listeners have to say about 
character death in your games, whether that is how you have avoided it or what you've done to deal with it or how you, if you're a GM, have brought it about. Yes, please bring us your epic character deaths, either the ones you've caused or the ones that you've gone through. I'd be very interested to hear them. Oh, and honestly, like, you don't even actually have to have ever played a role-playing game to have an opinion on the death of characters, because this is something that happens in general fiction all of the time, and if you have thoughts about the way that a character would die in a TV show, or a novel, or a movie, I want to hear that too. I like, just... go ahead. Talk to us. Make a dialogue. Either send it in a very short burst on Twitter at Podcast Dodeca, or you can find us on Gmail, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram? Instagram. Instagram at Dodeca Podcast. Yeah, so that's pod or that's dodecapodcast at gmail.com. That's dodecapodcast on Instagram, dodecapodcast on Facebook, and dodecapodcast on Tumblr, or as Colin said, at podcastodeca on Twitter. We monitor all of those, and honestly, I'm just always up for instigating or involving myself into any sort of conversation on any of the topics we've talked about like do not feel like oh well this episode came out 82 weeks ago i can't talk to them now just tell me like hey i just listened to episode 24 and this is what i think about character death Please do. It's an important topic that affects pretty much almost any gamer that plays in any system, so I know you've got opinions. And uh, while we look forward to hearing you, what we really want to say is, from all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to seeing you on our next adventure.